Good afternoon. Welcome back. It's looking up and it's a Wednesday afternoon. My name's Sharissa Tarosi and I'll be your host this afternoon and I'm joined in the studio by Danny Milenkov, our wonderful co-host and a special guest, Justin Tarosian, who is my husband. Hey! <laughs> Doesn't get more special than that. <laughs> so we have a very exciting program coming up today. I'm really looking forward to discussing uh, more about what we've been looking at, the Three Angels Messages. But basically, this is a program that when you tune into it, you will see that the Bible is real, that, that the Bible is true, God is real, and the best thing to do in the time that we are living in is to look up to make sure that our faith is in Jesus Christ because the greatest event of all time is very soon approaching. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what we can see happening in the world around us. So uh, welcome, Danny. Thank you, Sharissa. It's good to be back here on this first Wednesday of December. So, yeah, looking forward to it. And, um, yeah, we've got a very exciting program as we take a look at uh, some of the incredible um, rapid movements that are happening in Bible prophecy. So much happening right now. And uh, so glad that to discuss these rapid movements we have, Justin, joining us too. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> well, uh, just in case people are interested at some point during this afternoon in writing in a question for us to discuss, or perhaps even you might like to take hold of the opportunity to receive the free offer, which we're giving away to the first caller or texter in, our contact details for this program. Uh, you can find our podcasts, previous episodes of this program on our website which is faithfm.com.au or um, to call us for the free offer or call in with a question you can call us at 1-800-324-843 1-800-324-843 or you can text in your request or your question at 0491-064-669 and we should just probably remind everyone what the free offer is that we have going Danny absolutely well over the last couple of weeks few weeks we've been giving away this incredible book on Bible prophecy it's it's the apocalyptic classic, the great the great controversy, written yes. more than a century ago. It's a fantastic book, and uh, yeah, every single person on the planet needs to read it. So mm. we'll be giving that away at the end of the program today. Yeah, so there you have the details, and you heard the plug. So uh, as we get lined up for this program this afternoon, we're going to be going to the Three Angels Messages, and people might be saying, well, what's that? If this is the first time, don't miss it. Uh, stay with us. We're just going to have a brief break, and we'll be back in a moment. And we're going to listen to Lauren Daigle, The Little Drummer Boy. Come, they told me, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum A newborn king to see, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum Our finest gifts we bring To lay before the king pa 
Welcome back to Looking Up. That was Lauren Daigle. And what a good song. We're just reminding us Christmas is coming. It's hard to believe. The year is just flying by us. And look, let's talk about what's happening. Have you got any updates, uh, something exciting happening in your what's world? What's the latest? <laughs> the latest and the greatest, eh? Yeah. Um, well, I guess uh, the election in America is still going. It is, isn't it? <laughs> it was supposed to end like a month ago, but it's still going. Justin, can you please fill us in? Like here in Australia. Oh, listen, I have no control. A, look, oh, in, Australia, <laughs> in Australia, we have the election on a Saturday, right? Because nobody will go out to vote during the week. And it's, <laughs> and it's compulsory unless you've got a good reason on religious grounds or some mm. other important grounds. Um, it's compulsory because no Aussie would literally, well, I shouldn't say that, um, but a lot, of, a lot of Australians, Charissa, you would agree, wouldn't go out and vote voluntarily in Australia. Mm. That's true. And so um, especially on a Saturday afternoon or on a Saturday, they're busy with their barbecues and the beaches and, <laughs> and um, yeah, just beer and it's just yeah, anything but voting. But in America, it's, it's voluntary. That's right. We have freedom. <laughs> you do have freedom. You do you have get freedom. Of that but a lot. What, where I was going with that was here in Australia, the election happens on a Saturday, and Saturday night we know who the winner is, mm. and Saturday night it's all over. Sunday morning they're they're away. the 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 new prime minister um, he gets going, and everyone pretty much gets back to normal. Mm. Like Monday, it's back to normal, and we forget yeah. about the election. But we're like a month. And it's still going. Yeah, it's you still know, on our news. What's up with that? Amazing. Can you, so there can you explain to our Australian <laughs> listeners what on earth is going on yeah. and how the American system works? Definitely. <laughs> you know, this is a unique election uh, in many ways, but uh, this has never happened in American history okay. before. Oh, and no. so we have had some times where it's very close in some states and there's a recount. If you're within, I think, 0.5%. 
0.5 yeah percent of each other you can request a recount and they can recount those votes usually presidential candidates gain a couple hundred maybe a thousand at the most but sometimes it can swing it the other way like we saw with George W Bush and Al Gore mm. back in 2000. 2000 yeah and so there's uh, and there are lawsuits sometimes that play out over the next weeks but uh, generally in America we know the winner the mm-hmm. next day mm-hmm. um you know we have this these three time zones the votes are counted and at the latest it's a week and we know who's the president elect and then january come january 20 he'll be stepping into office the former president will step down and uh, that's it but this time obviously because of the many various factors um you know claims of voter fraud uh the issues with people not allowing uh people of the other political party to to watch the counting of the votes to validate it mm-hmm. uh the problems with the software that some have brought up as an issue um it's been a huge mess mm. just like everything else this year <laughs> <laughs> i guess yeah it fits with the covid thing yeah, <laughs> yeah true and i mean i think americans are are just as ready to have it over and done with as the rest of the world who just keeps hearing about it in the news mm. because um Yeah, it's it's definitely unique and what caused this actually was COVID. Now that you mentioned COVID because the uh mail-in votes were allowed in certain states but not many. But because of COVID, uh you know, it was applied for and approved, but there are different laws in different states regarding the cutoff time, how you can vote, the way that uh you vote is not very foolproof. And so Wow. The basically the issue of mail-in ballots has in large part created a mess of an election. Mm. Yeah. And I was going to say it's interesting to note I there were about 140 to 150 million Americans who voted. Mm. We have That's a huge about, turnout. Yes, but we have 340 million people living mm. in America and 240 million of them are citizens who can vote. Wow. So about 100 million, almost half of those who could have voted didn't vote. Wow. Which is just mind-blowing to me, but I guess there were record numbers of the amount of people who did vote and uh so the presidential candidates were, you know, happy for that. But um yeah, so ready for it to be done and decided. I know in many people's minds it already is, but the official tally and electoral vote count uh hasn't been declared yet even though of course it looks like uh it's going to be Biden and Harris. Mm. If mm. I could ask you something Justin, I'm not sure if you've heard uh of this. This wasn't so much on the mainstream news, but I did pick it up from some of the non-mainstream media, and that is that uh, there are a lot of evangelical Christians who are prophesying yeah. that yeah. that there's going to be uh, a resurrection mm. of of Donald Trump that he's going to win in the end and they're using some Old Testament stories in particular Esther hmm. you know I heard that mentioned um so it's really fascinating they they they're saying look uh, the truth will come out and uh the courts will will proclaim Donald Trump as the winner in the end hmm. so don't don't lose hope and don't give up the faith just yet hmm. so it's really fascinating how intertwined you know religion and especially the evangelical movement in America yeah. is with politics like we don't Definitely. really have that to that degree here in Australia. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And I think a major part of the reason for the push from evangelical Christians for Donald Trump to be back in office is because of the way that he treated Israel. That was a major thing. And you mentioned last time actually to us Danny in our uh Bible study time you mentioned the headline of when Trump came into office where 
he vowed to mm. evangelical leaders something about oh, church yeah, and state? Yeah, he said he said he would seek to. Um, I can't remember the exact words, but yeah, the the wall between church and state. He would seek to, you know, yeah, give give the evangelicals more power. Mm. Um, yeah, that and then many evangelical uh, Christian leaders are big into the idea that uh, Israel, modern day literal ethnic Israel, are God's people. And we need to do everything we can to support them because when the temple is rebuilt literally, physically in Jerusalem, then the Messiah, you know, Jesus will return and et cetera. And so because of this, this uh, dispensationalist ideology, um, these Christians, when Donald Trump made Jerusalem the official capital of Israel, uh, of course, they were all like, yeah, that's it. You know, like it's, he's, he's pro Israel and therefore we can back him. Of course, they supported him before that, but that was an additional, uh, thing that, um, was very, a, a very positive thing in their minds. Mm. But, um, what's interesting and even concerning is that these, uh, a lot of these people are in very influential in passing laws and, um, in, yeah, legislature. It is crazy. And I, I, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they backpedal when, uh, if Donald Trump doesn't, yeah. you know, get back into office like they're predicting. And, you know, that's just one of the four Bible tests of a prophet, that if they make predictions about the future, they must come to pass. Mm. So even if it does happen, it doesn't guarantee that these people are genuine prophets from God. Mm. Uh, we still have to run them through the other three tests of a prophet. But definitely very interesting. Yeah, it is. And um, yeah, I just found that headline that you were referring to back in yeah, 2016, just before the election four years ago. And it was from Time magazine, August 15. Mm. Donald Trump vowed to close the gap between church and state when wow. he addressed yeah. wow. <laughs> um, almost 1,000 evangelical leaders. He says, you put me into power, yeah. uh, you put me into office, and I will ensure that you know you get your voice back mm. in every sense of the word. Wow. And so, yeah. So I guess, yeah, you know, we, we mentioned that, eh, Sharissa, because um, as we've been talking the last few weeks, the United States of America is right there in the thick of end-time Bible prophecy. It is been unpacking that week by week so we're going to keep doing that today too yes we are did you have any other exciting news you want I to did. share i did i had oh. um i had one of my church members uh share with me an incredible uh, dream that someone that she knew had that mm. that shared that with her it was a a young woman um who uh, was seeking and searching she was not from a christian background but seeking and searching and you know, just looking at various uh, various uh, religious um, views out there in society. And on one occasion, uh, she says, and these are sort of the words that this young woman uh, relayed to one of my church members, that God appeared to her in a dream. God wow. appeared to her in a dream. Hmm. And uh, he. It was, it was just a very short and brief dream. But she simply describes this being that was just, Filled with love, she just experienced mm. incredible love, um, and she couldn't see his face. She says, but she she could just tell that this was God, and she asked him a question, uh, an audacious question, as she put it, and that is, you know, do you expect everyone to worship you? <laughs> and uh, this being that she says was God, but the way she pictured him, um, I think it was more Jesus Christ who mm. appeared to her in her dream, said no. I don't expect everyone 
to worship me. And, uh, you know, this being uh, asked her, well, if you were to create uh, an orbit, uh, what would you fill it with? Mm. And she said in her dream, you know, I'd fill it with love and peace and joy and happiness. Mm. And, and, And I believe, you know, Jesus said to her, well, that's exactly what my plan is. For the human race, mm. and um, and yeah, she she is now seeking Bible studies. She wants mm. to know more. This was such awesome. a vivid dream to her. Uh, she knew this was not just another dream. You know, Amazing. we dream all the time, don't we? Yeah. A lot of times we've eaten too much pizza the <laughs> night before. But um, this was one of those dreams, like you know, King Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. um, Pharaoh. In, in Joseph's time, you know, yeah, they, they all had, and there's, and there's others that had dreams. And so, and so that reminded me of Joel chapter 2, mm. where God says that in the end times, he's going to give dreams and visions, and he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we've, I have heard of many instances of individuals, in particular in the Muslim world, mm, yes. uh, receiving dreams where, yeah. you know, Jesus Christ appears to them or, or another heavenly being with a message from heaven, with a message of, of Jesus mm. and his love and the gospel message. So that was really exciting. Powerful. And she was very excited and she wanted to share that with me and just ask me a few things regarding that. You know, just on that note, they, I heard a story some years ago from a friend who, who was born and raised in this Middle Eastern country. And he said that there was a village where uh and of course they had no access to bibles these people were born and raised muslim and uh he said this entire village all 200 or 250 individuals had the same dream wow. the same night where jesus appeared to them oh. in their dream and told them the same thing <laughs> it's incredible what god is doing in some parts of the world where people and where bibles cannot go he's he's showing them dreams he's appearing to them in dreams he's sending angels to them God is just amazing. Mm. That's so exciting. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing those stories. And um, I can't really top that. I haven't had (laughs) I was actually just going to highlight that um, on back to some news items and how um, outstanding news items that from, I think, Monday, we have new COVID rules. So the Yeah. So instead of the four square meter rule, it's two square meters. So we've got Praise to get our measuring sticks out and work out what that is again. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so that means we're going to have double the people in church. That's that we, right. That we had previously. Actually, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I think that, okay, so they changed on Monday. That's that's the thing. Okay. So it's religious services as well. You were telling me, yeah, Sharice, so you, you got my hopes up. Yeah, I, I've told Danny it's uh, including <laughs> uh, hospitality venues, weddings, funerals, regional agricultural shows, corporate events, and religious services. Praise the Lord. Praise the <laughs> Lord. Because for me, uh, like I'm not the smartest, you know, uh, person on the planet, but I, I, I struggled with how we can have 50,000 people yeah. in a stadium <laughs> yelling and screaming yeah. at the top of their lungs without masks. without masks, but you can't have 20 or 30 people singing in church. Mm. Mm. I struggled with that. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> Us too. <laughs> no, I, I felt the same way. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but praise the Lord, we're moving in the right direction. That's so right. So thank you, thank you, Premier of New South Wales. We, we are very thankful, yes. and we're glad that the borders are opening to Queensland. Yay. Too. Christmas is going to be looking good. All right. So I guess we are going to be setting the table in just a mm. few moments for a very exciting Bible study. Um, we're going to be talking about the three angels' messages. Those, if you've never heard of them, it's found in Revelation, the Bible's last book, Revelation chapter fourteen, verses six. Six through 
12 and we're up to unpacking the third angel's message and it's been an epic message. It's probably the most serious warning, um, an appeal, most urgent appeal that's ever been given by God in all of human history. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with it, you need to tune in and join us as we continue this afternoon for this Bible study. Have a Bible with you, have your pen and paper to write down any notes and check it out after the after the show because this stuff has never been more relevant than it is right now. Mm, uh, we've alluded true. to that last week and previous weeks, but also in the introduction that we are seeing prophecy being fulfilled all the time. I think Al Gore was the one who said that it's like walking through the book of Revelation when you watch the news. So yeah. we're going to have a break. We're going to listen to a familiar voice to me, my sister. She's singing Mary Did You Know, Marlita Fong, followed by the news, and then we'll be back with the study. Did you know 
All right, welcome back everyone to Looking Up. We're about to begin our Bible study. And I said before the break that we're going to be unpacking a little more on the third angel's message. We're in Revelation chapter 14 and uh, both Danny and Justin and myself, all of us are going to be looking at how can we see Bible prophecy being fulfilled right now. And so uh, maybe we should just very quickly recap um, what the third angel's message is, just the beginning. So um, is there anything you want to recap it for us, Danny? Oh, okay. Well, just uh, just really quickly, the, the three angels' messages are God's final message of love to the whole world. Uh, the three angels' messages are introduced as the everlasting gospel that needs to go to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. It's the gospel in an end-time context that Jesus uh, spoke of in Matthew 24, 14, when he said the gospel needs to go to the whole world, and the gospel is the good news about God and his love and and God's desire to save every single person who wants to be saved. And so these three angels' messages are, I guess, uh, three messages of love. Mm. Uh, three messages of warning also. The first angel's message where God, um, he, he shares the truth. He describes the truth. The second angel's message, God exposes Satan's lies, which is all about Babylon. And the third angel's message, it's like I've said, you know, it's God says it's your choice. Mm. Are you going to accept the truth mm. or are you going to accept Satan's lies? You make the choice. As Adam and Eve had a choice in the Garden of Eden, so at the end of time people will have a choice. And so it boils down to whether we will um, worship Christ and worship according to um, what he has given to us in his word, in his commandments in particular, or whether we will follow uh, Satan and worship in harmony with his commandments and his laws and his ways, which are contrary to that of Jesus Christ. So that's the third angel's message and the three angels' messages in Mm. a nutshell. That's I love that nutshell. (laughs) Six (laughs) words, really. God's truth, Satan's lies, your choice. So what's the choice? Well, we've been talking about that. Um, Revelation 14 talks about, you know, God says in the third angel's message, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or in his hand, that they will drink of the wine of the wrath of God. And so we've been unpacking, well, who's the beast? And we go to the previous chapter, chapter 13. We've identified that. So it's the church of the dark ages, the medieval church, fits all the descriptions perfectly. And then we were looking at the second beast rising in chapter 13, and it comes up out of the earth. And as we've been unpacking and you've been listening along with us on this journey, this beast bears all the characteristics that point us to one nation, and it's the United States of America Mm. being the lamb-like beast of Bible prophecy. Now, There are so many things that we could go to, and we're going to discuss some of them together now um, to to see how the Bible is not kidding us on this. Like God's telling us the truth because we can see the steady tread of events that are showing us that basically the United States is headed right where Bible prophecy predicted it would be going. So let's talk because we see in chapter 13, that the central issue at the end of time will be over worship. That's right. So I guess um, there are a couple of things that have to happen in order for this to be the central issue. One of the things was that this earth beast, maybe we should read the verse. Yeah, good idea. Okay, do you want to read um, 
Why someone want to read verse 14 maybe? Yeah. Yeah, go for it, Justin. Yep. All right. And he that is uh the earth beast that has just risen up out of the earth and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast and that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads and that no man, no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. All right, that's an epic uh, scene that's described. Mm, it is. Um, so, all right, so clearly this, this lamb-like beast, the second beast in chapter 13, is a beast that has worldwide power and uh, will eventually cause the world to worship and it will form an image to the first beast being the medieval church. So, Let's talk about it. Can we see anything that's happening in the religious world that's trending towards this, just this this very picture that's painted in Revelation 13? Can you say, is there anything happening in the United States that we should be thinking about in regards to like Protestants and Catholics even? Any changes there? Anything? Well, I think uh, just uh, even more broadly, there is... There is certainly uh, an emphasis on the world religions coming together mm. uh, for the sake of world peace in mm. particular, because there are many people um, today who blame many of the wars uh, down through the ages on religion, mm-hmm. religious wars. And, and it is true. It is true. There are many wars that have been uh, waged um, on religious grounds. You know, we think of the Crusades. Uh, we think of, um, you know, some of the other wars that have taken place, uh, the, the Islamic um, wars that took place. And so we have, you know, we, we have more and more of a push on, on coming together. And in particular, we have over the last, I would say at least the last number of years since 2013, since Pope Francis came um, onto the scene as the as the new pontiff and the head of the Church of Rome, he has really uh, been pushing heavily uh, religious unity, mm. religious unity amongst all faiths, but in particular religious unity with Protestants. Mm. So that yeah. gulf between Protestants and Catholics has certainly been narrowing uh, during the last number of years. I mean, that this has been happening for the last probably few decades, but in particular, it's sort of gone into overdrive since Pope Francis has yeah. come along. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, if you don't have the biblical backgrounds as, you know, about this topic, um, it sounds like a good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, instead of wars, we have peace. Right. Mm-hmm. And everyone is trying to get along and and, you know, join forces, so to speak. But if you didn't get a chance to listen to us last week, um, go on the website, Faith FM, check out the podcast, because in the last uh, last week's time together, 
uh, we unpacked some really clear and powerful things. Danny shared a number of things, headlines from Time Magazine that were just amazing fulfillments of prophecy. But just a bit of background to kind of recap. The reason why this is concerning is because the image of the beast mentioned four times within two verses here, meaning when God you know, says something over and over, if he repeats it, it's because it's extremely important. The Bible warns us in Revelation 13 about the image of the beast that would be set up. And as Bible students, we recognize that this image of the beast, it's the spitting image of the sea beast, which is the uh, church of the dark ages, the medieval church that persecuted low estimates are 50 million people. The higher Mm. estimates are 150 million people killed them for their faith or for not being willing to convert to the prescribed faith of the government, the state at the time. And so the Bible tells us here and it warns us that this earth beast, as we've seen, is the United States, will set up a system that will be a civil and religious power that will eventually lead to the persecution of those who don't go along with this power. And this is why uh, it's concerning when we see uh, people saying, oh, hey, let's just forget about all of our differences and just come together. Because the Bible says that at the end of time, there would be this there will be this unity, this unifying of religious powers that will come together and say, hey, let's just all get along, Mm -hmm. but it will ultimately uh, result in the persecution of God's people like Jesus foretold. Wow. Yeah, And if I could just add to that, at the end of Revelation chapter 12, where we have a description of who the dragon, that is Satan, uh, is enraged with and who he goes out to make war with at the very end of time, Uh, It describes a small group of people as the remnant, if you have the King James Version, Mm -hmm. or the rest, if you have the New King James Version, uh, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So so Satan's ultimate aim is to receive worldwide worship. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, there has to be a coming together. There Mm -hmm. there has to be uh, a unity factor for him to receive worldwide worship, which is what he has always been after. And there is a small group of people here. There's a very small group, a remnant, according to Revelation 12, 17, that stand in his way. And mm. so they are the ones that that have, you know, that are in, in, in you know, in his crosshairs, if I could use that term. <laughs> they are the ones that have the the target on them. And so if you could just take them out of the way... He would have the whole world worshiping at his feet. Amazing! Yeah, he really, right. yeah, he really hates them because they remind him of Jesus, yeah. and uh, that's that's the great controversy all there. Wow! So, all right, so you've all said some amazing things right here. So, as you know, last week we were also looking at how there's a strengthening of relationship between the two beasts, yeah. the United States. We were looking at the leaders, you know, the leader of the United States, and I think we were talking even about the visits of the Pope yeah. to the United States. That was fascinating. Yeah. Well, they have been increasing yeah. in, in frequency, certainly, over the last century. Yeah. yeah, and the influence of the Pope has been growing. I mean, um, it's amazing that dignitaries uh, often, you know, they have people come to them, uh, and instead of him going to the President of the United States, the President, I think it was President Obama in 2015, with uh, when he came and spoke to Congress, when mm-hmm. the Pope spoke right. to Congress, yep. he showed up 
with his family and uh, his daughters, his wife, and him. They went to the airport to greet the Pope. Wow. President Trump, when he was um, going as well as the, the Vice place. President and his family, were yeah, they both families? Wow. So wow. that that's kind of like that Huge. never happens. That never happens. No kidding. Yeah. And President Trump, when he went to the Vatican. He waited outside until the Pope said that it was, you know, appropriate timing for him to come in and see him and gave him permission. And he went in and saw him. And so even those kinds of things indicate the respect, mm. level of respect that uh, he has. Yeah. Now, did the Pope do some other things while he was visiting on that particular trip or was that a different? Oh, no, that, that trip was, um, well, before that, I think I mentioned this last time, before that, uh, uh, the Popes have when they've gone to the United States of America, they've literally spent either a few hours or possibly a day. Mm. Um, apart from the, his predecessor, which was Pope Benedict, he spent two days. And he happened to be there on his birthday, <laughs> interestingly <laughs> enough, and they're saying happy birthday to him. Um, however, so we've gone from about a day or a few hours to two days with Pope Benedict, and all of a sudden, and I've got the, I've got the itinerary here, he landed he landed on Tuesday night, I think it was. Yeah, on Tuesday night, he landed the 22nd of September and he left uh, He left Philadelphia on the Sunday, uh, which was five or six days later. So, wow. And he had a jam-packed itinerary. Now, he didn't uh, address the UN or anything on yeah, that? Yeah, he did. He did? Yeah, he addressed the UN. It was their 70th anniversary. And we're going <laughs> to wow. talk about that because there was, um, there was a huge... Um, yeah, huge thing happened. A huge impacting uh, document that was um, signed right. off on by by all the by all the political leaders at that particular UN mm-hmm. that the Pope, um, yeah, he had the he had the the main address. So we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll- but that but that's really important, and that's and that's very prophetic. What took place there? So amazing. Uh, I guess, yeah, as we're talking, we're talking about this strengthening friendship between these two beast powers mentioned in prophecy. And we're seeing, too, that uh, pro- Protestants are no longer protesting. There's a unity that's starting to strengthen. And it's, you know, I was talking to my mom about this, and she, she brought out a good point. Uh, she said there's a difference between uh, unity in the spirit and the spirit of unity. There's mm. a spirit of unity that's stirring everybody. Let's come together. But unity in the spirit is a unity brought about by the Holy Spirit, blending our hearts together and based on God's word. That's the kind yeah. of unity that we see in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when 120 believers are there praying and the Bible says they were in one accord. Mm. That wasn't a car. So they were they were united and their hearts were united with God's own will and yeah, yeah that's right. In, in John 17, and, and often Christian leaders will say, oh, we need to be the answer to Jesus' prayer that we can maybe one, even as he is one with the Father. And that's true. Mm. But a word that is repeated over and over in John 17 is love. But the second word that's repeated consistently is truth. Mm, and beautiful. so to be united in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, it, we must be united upon the truth of God's Word. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll come back in just a moment and pick up where we leave off in the study. We're going to hear now a beautiful song, Silent Night. And that's uh, sung by Lady Antebellum. Enjoy. Excellent. 
And that was Silent Night by Lady Antebellum. Well, we're back to our Bible study here, and uh, I'm really, really looking forward to where we keep going. So there's something we need to probably unpack a little bit more when we read through Revelation 13, and I think we read from verses 14 through to the end of the chapter, but there was a mention there of the mark of the beast, and um, it says, talking about how in verse 16, it says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And this is obviously referencing the mark of the beast that's in the third angel's message. So this is important stuff. But what are we talking about? Is this a barcode? Is it a computer chip? What? What is it the vaccine? <laughs> what, what is the mark of the beast? All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to go to that um we're going to go to that answer in just a moment. But before we do, our producer has just reminded um, me that we just want to give out the details if anyone has a question or a comment. And we gave those numbers earlier, but we'll do that again in the second hour. So if you have a comment or a question, you can call 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us on 0491 064 That's 0491. 91064669. All right, so now to your to your question regarding the mark of the beast and what it is whether it's whether it's a chip or a vaccine or or Donald Trump or who knows what, <laughs> you know, there's all sorts of different theories out there, you know, fancy and um and crazy theories. We got to remember as we shared earlier that the issue at the end of time is worship. So it's not about a vaccine, it's not about a chip, it's about worship, it's about allegiance. Mm. It always has been that issue because the reason why the war began in heaven when Lucifer rebelled was because he wanted to be like God. Mm. You know, we've talked about that in the past. Isaiah chapter 14 describes how Lucifer, um, he aspired to be just like God. He wanted the position, the prerogatives and the power that belongs to God alone. Mm. So... So that is the that is where the end game will be played. And so Revelation is very clear that worship is the key issue in those two chapters, those two central chapters, chapter 13 and 14. Worship is mentioned eight times, seven times in relation to worshipping the beast, uh, who is the puppet for the dragon and Satan. So Satan works through this um, end time power called the beast that we've identified as the as the Roman church state of the Middle Ages that would be resurrected at the end of time, that the whole world would follow. And so you have, you, you, you have worship as the key issue. And so the mark of the beast is all about worship. And so you have the seal of God in the book of Revelation also, which is the antithesis of the mark of the beast. And so if the mark of the beast is about worship, which it is very clearly, the seal of God is also about worship. Mm. And so you will either have the seal of God or the mark of the beast. And the seal of God is to be found in the Ten Commandments, as we've Mm. discovered. And we ought not to be surprised because God's end time people are described as those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus in Revelation 14, 12. And they are the ones that the dragon hates. 
in Revelation 12, 17, as we shared earlier. So when you put all the pieces together, it becomes very clear. So where do you find the seal of God in the Ten Commandments? Well, it's very simple. You need to look for the place where where the author, um, his title, and and his um, and his role and his dominion is is being described. You know, his title, his his name, and his territory, territory, territory. his territory, and that and that can only be found in the fourth commandment. So the Sabbath, which is all about worship and allegiance to God as Creator, and that's in the first angel's message: worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. A direct quote out of the fourth commandment. Mm. And so when you put all the pieces together, the seal of God is the Sabbath at the end of time. And so the mark of the beast will be the opposite to that at the end of time. And the opposite day to set the seventh day Sabbath, Saturday is the first day of the week, Sunday. And mm. so that's where the final end time worship war will be waged. Mm. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Justin. No, you summarized it beautifully. I was thinking as you said that that um, the word Sabbath in the middle of it has Abba in it, like Abba Father. It's got the mm. Father's name in it. True. Um, yeah, anyway, just it's a beautiful thing. And the Sabbath, when we rightly keep it, like Jesus did and instructed us to, we have our Abba, our Heavenly Father, at the center of it. Oh, right. that's really beautiful. Mm. And, you know, just on that thought, um, we keep, when we keep the Sabbath, it's the Sabbath the Sabbath keeps us also like it, it keeps us closely connected with Jesus. It keeps us um, ama- amazed at his love. It keeps us basking in his grace. It's a beautiful thing to Amen. keep the Sabbath. And um, to think that at the end of time, Satan will try and convince people that that's a bad thing and that it should be outlawed. Like that's where it's heading because um, he wants, yeah, he's going to enforce the mark. Of the beast there, but let's let's unpack this a little bit more now that you've identified this for us. Um, yeah, we were just starting to pick up about what happened at the when the, the Pope was visiting the states a few years ago now, and he he stayed a little longer than he usually does, and he also addressed the UN. Now, something significant you said happened at that visit, Danny. Absolutely, there were a. Uh I probably need to just backtrack because a lot, a lot of our listeners probably will not be familiar with this because it would have, um, it would have gone by. I'm not sure. There was a little bit on the news, but there's just so much on the news each time, and so a lot of people miss it. Now, I'll, I might just go back to 2000, um, just before the year 2000. Uh, the United Nations put together a plan of, of how to bring about, you know, world peace, harmony, how to address the huge issues that this world faces. And they called it the Millennium Development Goals. So these were goals to address things like poverty, address uh, the climate, uh, address uh, education, um, as well as as well as a number of issues. And so there were eight different areas that they sought to address, and these were to be eight target areas for the next 15 years, the Millennium Development Goals. And so the year 2015 came to an end, and they took a look at how they went during that period of time. And then they put out what they called the Sustainable Development Goals, which they voted through at the United Nations back in 2015. And the significance of these are that these were designed to include the entire world. 
So the entire world signed up, 193 countries. Uh, pope Francis uh, did something that no other pope has done. He addressed the United Nations. He gave the opening address, and that happened to be just before the vote of the Sustainable Development Goals that were voted through. And so he urged and encouraged all the world leaders to jump on board these sustainable development. And they are great. Like Justin said, they they are, you know, there's nothing wrong with these um, sustainable goals. And I'll just read to you a little here of the, of the news uh, item that was put out. It was 17 new sustainable development goals that aim to end poverty, promote prosperity and people's well-being while protecting the environment by 2030. And so... This, um, yeah, this was a, 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 a an incredible document, such as the United Nations hadn't signed in its 70-year history, yeah. according to the UN Secretary General, which I'll read what he had to say. He welcomed the agreement, saying it encompasses a universal, transformative and integrated agenda that heralds a historic turning point for our world. And he went on and said, this is the people's agenda, a plan of action for ending poverty in all its dimensions, irreversibly, everywhere, and leaving no one behind. It seeks to ensure peace and prosperity and forego partnerships with people and planet at the, uh, sorry, and forge partnerships with people and planet at the core. And, um, and, it's, and it goes on, the, the integrated, interlinked and indivisible 17 sustainable deve development goals are the people's goals and demonstrate the scale, universality and ambition of this new agenda. Mm. So this is huge. Um, it's seeking to bring the whole world together. And this really taps into what the Bible says in Revelation 13.3, that you know, there will be a power that would lead the way and the Church of Rome and the Pope in particular is leading the way in this agenda. Mm. Um, the Paris Climate Agreement uh, at the end of that year in 2015 followed and he encouraged everyone to get on board with that and that's significant. So, and this all plays into, you know, the peace and safety Mm. that Paul said would be part and parcel of the end of time and the cry for peace and safety. So mm. we can maybe look at those scriptures a little later on. But, yeah, it's really, really fascinating. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, on that note, I was just thinking, like talking about all the goals and everything, there's something I'm hearing a little bit about called the Great Reset. Um, mm. Is that something that's significant? Yes, um, it is. Interestingly enough, uh, many people were just saying, not too long ago actually, I hadn't heard of it until a few weeks ago, but I know that it was considered conspiracy theory and kind of unprovable that there was this uh, goal that world leaders shared in common for a global reset. Uh, but just recently, it's really entered into the mainstream news and it's obvious to anyone who looks into it that it's no conspiracy theory. Uh, we have people like Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada. We have uh, individuals like Angela Merkel from Germany. We have individuals uh, like the head of the United Nations all saying this is a, a window of time. COVID is a window of time for us to implement a new system where we take everyone's debt down to zero, hmm. uh, which sounds great, right? I mean, who wouldn't want the whole world to have zero debt? But along with that comes some dangerous things. There's a man actually named Klaus Schwab who, who uh, basically 
you know, brought this idea into existence. And uh, Dan, he's the shared- founder. Yeah, he's the yeah. founder of the World Economic Forum. And you which- have something in common with the Great Reset, don't you? That's right. Well, <laughs> I was born the year that it was. Um, well, I was born the year that the World Economic Forum. Um, was formed back in 1971, but yeah. So, um, so Klaus Schwab, he is the president of the World Economic Forum, and mm. yes, this was his idea, part of this whole fourth industrial revolution mm. uh, that is all part and parcel. But yeah, carry on. Oh yeah, and um, it's quoted as having said, "The pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world." And uh, Time Magazine, uh, quoting Klaus Schwab again, he said, Our goal is achieving a better global economic system for all, and time is quickly running out. And so it sounds like this is a system that people have had, you know, Klaus Schwab and others have wanted to implement for a long time. But it just so happens that COVID is this window of opportunity where they're really going to be pushing for this. So if it's just about eliminating debt, What's really so bad about the Great Reset? Is there more to it? Well, is there? Well, <laughs> the, look, uh, you know, we, we, we can't, you know, we can't tell the future. Only, only yeah. God can, only God has um, that ability to be able to see into the future. But all we can do is we can take a look at the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. And in Revelation here, very clearly, uh, in relation to this mark of the beast, uh, finances and economics are very much tied to the mark of the beast. It's very clear because it says that no man or woman will be able to buy or sell unless they have the mark of the beast. And it says, and it goes on, you know, to to explicitly state that rich and the poor will be impacted. The free and the slave will be impacted. The, The small and the great, small, great, Rich, poor, free slave. This is biblical language to to clearly portray that this is worldwide. Mm. This is worldwide. And then when you combine that with Revelation 13.3, where the Bible says regarding, you know, the Roman papacy that would receive a mortal wound, it says, and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So the Bible says that at the end of time, the Church of Rome will be setting the agenda for the world and the whole world will be following. And we saw that in 2015 when the when the Pope addressed the United Nations mm. and encouraged all to sign up to this Sustainable Development Goal initiative that would continue on from the Millennium Development. So we're literally seeing Scripture being fulfilled before our very eyes, and there's more to it. interesting. And actually, as you said that, Danny, it just struck me too that um, the world's all speaking one language. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, um, mostly English, but many languages. We'll come back to that in just a moment. We're going to take a quick break, music break, and we're going to listen to Randy Travis. And he's going to sing Go Tell It on the Mountain, but come back. Go tell it on that mountain Over the hills and everywhere Hey, go tell it on that mountain Jesus Christ is born Go Tell it on that mountain Over the hills and everywhere I say go Tell it on that mountain That Jesus Christ 
Christ was born While shepherds kept there watching Over silent flocks by night Behold, throughout the heavens There shone a holy light Go, chill it on that mountain Over the hills and everywhere I said go Tell it on that mountain That Jesus Christ is born on the mountain today there's a lot of amazing things happening and actually in the break um, Justin uh, reminded me he has something he'd like to add to what he said before oh just about the great reset this was so interesting on the World Economic Forum website uh, they've you know kind of projected what 2030 might look like and there's an article called here's how life could change in my city by the year 2030 check this out Uh, and, and I'm quoting here. It says, Welcome to 2030. I own nothing. I have no privacy. And life has never been better. Hmm. Does that sound like a great world to you? <laughs> Sounds pretty scary, sci-fi, bizarre. It's a paradox. And um, yeah, whether this will be reality or not, it's just concerning that there's so many major players in the world today that are pushing 
for this very thing, and they mm. think that it's what's best. Yeah, I've been talking to a couple of people, and they hadn't even heard of it. So I said, just go Google, you know, type it in your Google browser, type it into YouTube, see what comes up. And when I do it, so many things, so many articles, so many news stories, lots of videos, it's everywhere. And if you don't know Bible prophecy, like we've been studying Revelation 13 and, and the three angels' messages, this sounds like a good thing in a mm. sense. Yeah. yeah, why not? What's wrong with that, right? Um, but we live in a world where sin is a reality mm. and there are broken, you know, government systems and leaders and we live in an imp- imperfect world and the final scenes of Earth's history uh, are exactly what we're trending to when we see headlines like this. It's, you know, mm. fulfilling Bible prophecy. And so we know where this unity and this world unity ultimately uh, is heading. Sure. So um, maybe I'll throw this to you, Danny. Like, is there anything else in Revelation that we should be looking at as we're considering where the world is heading right now? Oh, absolutely. Uh, We don't have time to read Revelation 18, but I'd encourage our listeners to read through Revelation 18. And Revelation 18 is uh, is describing this end-time economic union Mm. that will come about um, that will persecute everyone who will not seek to be, you know, following this plan of of unity that will be by, based on the mark of the beast, as we as we spoke of, and how it will all come to an uh, all come to an end. You know, it's going to last for an hour, a prophetic hour, which is short time, but it will all come to an end. But in Revelation seventeen, uh, the previous chapter there. Uh, John describes this world, um, this world united effort at the end of time, and who will be led for. We read in Revelation thirteen three that the Church of Rome will lead the world, um, and ultimately the issue will be worship. And here it says in Revelation seventeen verse twelve to fourteen. It's interesting how it ends. I'll start off in verse 12. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings. So this is speaking of all the political leaders in the world. Ten is just a symbol for for the globe, for, for global politics, who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. So for a very short time at the end of time. Verse 13, they are of one mind. So this is speaking of this worldwide um, new world order, if you want to call it that. They are of one mind and they give their power and authority to the beast, which is Revelation 13.3 that leads the way. And then verse 14, these will make war with the lamb and the lamb is Jesus Christ and the lamb will overcome them for he is Lord of lords and king of kings and those who are with him, that is his people, those who are faithful to him, the remnant at the end of time are called chosen and faithful. And it's interesting because in Revelation 14, 12, God's end time people described as those who keep the commandments of God. They are the patient saints and they have the faith of Jesus. So Mm. here they are, the faithful who have the faith of Jesus. They remain true and faithful. So in the end, Jesus Christ wins. So if our listeners are are getting Mm. all anxious and worried about what this whole, you know, this new world order system is going to do and and what's going to be the end result the end result will be that Jesus Christ the lamb will be victorious Amen. and all those that are on his side even though there will only be a few yeah. comparatively speaking 
They are on his side, and they will be victorious mm. through Christ. And so, uh, so we just need to stick with Christ. We need to mm. be with the Lamb, and we're going to get through whatever comes our way in the coming days. Amen. I love, I love that, Danny. And, and uh, just thinking about that at the back of the book, the Lamb wins. And uh, if you're going through something in your life right now, and life's looking pretty dark, and things seem pretty difficult, just remember it's not the end of the story mm. yet. At the, mm. In the end, all will be made right. And there is a much better world, a, a greater reset <laughs> than the reset. The ultimate reset. The ultimate That's reset. A, <laughs> it's a new heaven and a new earth. Yeah. Earth 2.0. It's yes. coming and it's going to be wonderful. And that's something we got to look forward to. Um you know, I made a comment before about how, you know, the world is resembling a little bit like Rome. Well, time was when in Rome in the first century where there was one language. Mm. It was like a, a very global thing. And that enabled the gospel to go to the world very quickly because mm. they all spoke very much the same language. Um, yeah, all roads seem to be leading to Rome again. <laughs> mm. um, so let's talk about some other things here. Um what about this Chinese uh, development of their social credit system? Oh, wow. That's very interesting. Yeah, creepy stuff. <laughs> it is. <laughs> this is this is once again is not far fetched conspiracy. This yeah, is real. Um, I remember sharing this with my sister. Uh, she's not a Christian. Um, she believes in God and and has you know deep respect for the scriptures and especially myself because I'm a pastor. So she needs to respect her <laughs> older brother. But um, she she thought this was um, you know a little bit crazy and I was just pulling her leg. But she checked it out and it's real and mm. it's indeed yes. Um, th- there's not a lot in the media, but if you just Google. Uh, China's social credit system. I understand it was really going to be rolled out this year in a major way. And in a nutshell, if you're um, if you're living in harmony and with lie and in line with the communist um, philosophy and the communist system, the communist way of life, um, then your credit goes up. Mm. But if you speak against you know, the government or you're involved in activities that the communist government deems as not in the best interest or of even society. If you, or even if you're accused of that. Yeah, or even if you're accused of that, your credit system goes down, whereby wow. whereby you can't jump on a fast train, possibly, and individuals are, are suffering in this way. Mm. You can't get on, on a plane. Um, you're, yeah, it's incredible. Oh, like, And it, they're making it socially, you know, they're isolating. They have the ability to isolate people because if you hang out with someone who has less social credit or points than you, then your points will go down. That's right. And yeah. so it's just this crazy system uh, and the fa- the way that they are like tracking the people and all of their movements and uh, plugging them into this massive system, it's just bizarre and really concerning. Yeah, but we have, we have now, Sharissa, you talked about, you know, all roads lead to Rome and, and during the, you know, 2000 years ago, um, the road system enabled, you know, the Roman road system enabled the gospel to go to all the world. And now with the internet, with the internet, which is unprecedented in human history, this world is connected mm. unlike any other time in Earth's history. That's you right. know, we are one global village. You know, as I'm speaking, as I'm sharing, as Justin is, as you are sharing these, you know, we're talking about the Great Reset, we're talking about the Chinese social credit system, we're talking about how many visits, you know, uh, popes and presidents have had together. People can Google that in real time yeah. and they can fact check, fact check us immediately. They don't need to go to a library, they've just got Google there. So we are living in unprecedented times where the things that were once upon a time just, you know, fairy tales and just sci-fi 
are now actual reality. Mm. And talking about China, um, the last time I I um, I read they had over two hundred and fifty million cameras. Hmm. Okay, yeah. these are wow. these are those. What do you call those? Um, yeah, surveillance cameras. Two hundred and fifty mm. surveillance cameras throughout the entire nation to track you know people's movements in order for this social credit system to wow. to really get up and going. And I've, and there was one. And, and I mean, it's it's just it's 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 just so invasive to the point where if you have nappies in your trolley your credit goes up. If you have alcohol in your shopping trolley, your credit goes down. Hmm. So everything is monitored. Hmm. It's incredible. Amazing. And I guess uh, that's an incredible level of control. Yeah, Yeah, that's what's most concerning. Yeah, the government. And uh, speaking of control, um, I'm noticing there's a little bit of, um, well, the the big tech, um, you Mm. know, the CEO of Google, CEO of Twitter, CEO of Facebook, they've been having, they have had to come before the Senate. Um, to to testify, yep. um, do you want to comment on that? Yeah, I mean it's. Um, I haven't watched all of the hearings, but it's just so crazy to me how you've got. And I'll just share one thing. There was the um, Tom Dorsey, the head of Twitter, who uh, was confronted because, and they were confronted because they've been censoring what people have been posting in regards to this election when it doesn't agree with what the founders and, and runner, those who run Twitter uh, or Facebook or Google actually believe or agree with. And so one of the senators said, listen, he said a few months ago, somebody posted on Twitter, they created a lie, they said so-and-so, that's his name as a United States senator, they said, he's my neighbor, he killed my dog with his bare hands. He said <laughs> that tweet was retweeted 18,000 times. He wow. said, you didn't flag it. You didn't stop it. Why in the world would you let this lie be spread like this? And then when someone posts something politically that you don't agree with, you flag it as potentially erroneous or you close down their account. And so it's just amazing that these guys, they're brought before, and the heads of these companies, these monopolies, they're brought before the United States Senate and the senators will grill them on things uh, like, things that they removed and all these fine details of things where they did the wrong thing and yet they have no power to control them. And they're out of, I mean, they're actually like, they're more powerful than the majority of the nations in the world. Mm. Like they're more more powerful oh, yeah, and richer than countries, you know, oh, yeah. but there are no laws regulating how they function mm. because they're so new. And um, anyway, it's just wild how... Uh, you know, you can't say certain things and you can say other things. And beyond that, even just the social conditioning that happens because people feel like they can type whatever they want sitting behind their phone or their computer, you, you know, you say something and you'll get jumped on from people on either side unless it's just a personal life update. And so it's also the social conditioning that comes with that. And don't get me wrong, I think that social media is a great tool, like you pointed out, Danny, and God wants to use it to help finish the work of taking the gospel to the world. Mm. But it's unfortunate that it's getting hijacked for worldly, you know, worldly means in many ways. Amazing. You can totally see how the world stage is being set for Revelation 13 to play out as prophecy predicted. Mm. Um, do you want to add anything? To yeah, that? well, there, there's a great doco um, on Netflix. So those who have Netflix, you can go to 
the the social dilemma and yes. just what's the social dilemma it's really insightful and I, I've known this all along because I've I've been I've been a believer and I've seen I've seen the impact of the media on society mm. you know we talk about you know conversion therapy which is kind of you know in the news right now and governments are trying to mm. outlaw conversion therapy um, really targeting religious organizations and so forth but conversion therapy has been going on for the last 70 odd years since Hollywood came to town we have been converted more and more and, and mm. the social media and and the social dilemma points out that that people's um, people's worldviews are being impacted by by this artificial intelligence and algorithms yeah. that are designed to give them the news, to give them the information that they so much want and crave that that fits within their worldview mm. and within how they want to see the world. Yeah, and oh man, we saw that as well. So powerful. I'm so glad you mentioned that because. It was amazing that it's not just people saying, oh, this is what's happening in big tech over there. They're people who are former CEOs, the person who created the like button, you know, the the former leaders of Pinterest and Facebook and Twitter and these various social media uh, accounts or, or companies that are actually saying, we thought we were creating a, a, you know, a source for good, a tool for good, uh, but we're realizing that it's tearing society apart. I mean, just. Man, mind blowing! You've got to check it out. Like, like Danny said, uh, the social dilemma. Check it out on Netflix. You won't regret it. Mm, so you see all these things happening, and you know the words of Jesus just come to my mind loud and clear. That when you see these things mm. beginning to take place, look up, because your yes. redemption is drawing nigh, and uh, the coming of Jesus is is what's is what's coming. And Absolutely. This this world, the kingdoms of this world, will come to an end, and He will usher in. Uh, a wonderful kingdom, a wonderful world, his kingdom. Uh, we've just got a few moments left. Time is just flying. It is flying. It is flying. And um, and we want to look at the environment and, yes. and because that's a hot topic and that's yes. been huge and how that and how that applies to these end time um, events that, that are described in Revelation. So we'll come back with that maybe just after the break. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll have a music break and the news and we'll be back with a little bit more our final part of our Bible study today. And uh, yeah, enjoy the Ball Brothers as they sing A Cradle in Bethlehem. Rocky, a cradle 
Just such an insightful afternoon um, program. I've really enjoyed discussing all these things, and there's so much happening on so many different fronts. But just to remind ourselves, as we're looking at the news and we're seeing all these things, we need to keep our our focus on the word and 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 anchored there. And we need to remember the issue at the end of time is going to be over worship. Satan is trying to steal the worship that is due only to God. God is the only one who deserves worship. He's the Creator. He is our Redeemer, and for that uh, we should worship Him and, and worship Him wholeheartedly. And the way that we show God our love, the way that we respond to Him in worship, the Bible tells us, is through re- through obedience, living a life of obedience. And God has specifically set aside a, a day. It's called the seventh day Sabbath. And this time when we keep it holy, it is an acknowledgement that we love God and that we um, that our hearts belong to Him. It's a sign of allegiance to Him. And uh, such a beautiful day. It, it means so much, but it was, as we've been stepping through, we've been seeing that Satan is preparing the world to try and steal all the worship that is due mm, God for amen. himself. Mm. Uh, Danny, is there anything you want to add to this? Yeah, well, a hearty amen to what you've said. I think you've summarized it really well. And uh, we we have discovered that, that Revelation is talking at the end of time, there will be a coming together of the whole world in order to facilitate peace and safety. That's mm-hmm. what we read in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. There will be the cry of peace and safety before sudden destruction comes upon the earth, like labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape, writes Paul. Now, I personally believe as I'm, as I'm taking a look at what's going on in the world, as I'm reading Bible prophecy, in particular the, the book of Revelation, and this final worship war that you speak of, I personally do not believe that it's going to come on the back of religion. I don't believe mm-hmm. that religion will be that which spearheads um, the Sunday movement. Okay. And, uh, and, and I say that because, you know, Christianity, although it's a, a large portion of, of our world, um, there's still 1.5 billion uh, Muslims in the world. There's uh, uh, almost a billion um, Hindus. Uh, there's hundreds of millions of, of Buddhists and New Ages, and then there's atheists and so on and so forth. So there's, you know, we've got nearly 8 billion people, and there are just so many views. But I believe the issue will be um, concerning a common 
the common good or, or, or that which applies to all of us. And I see the environment really mm. at the very heart of that. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting that, yes, the environment is, is, I would say, the number one topic. Before COVID came to town, the environment was the hot potato and it has been growing. And this year, in fact, even in spite of COVID, in spite of COVID, on the front cover of Time magazine, this was back um, the June, sorry, the July 20, July 27 edition, and this was the front cover of Time magazine, and the headline was "One Last Chance: The Defining Year for the Planet." Mm. And it's interesting that with all the shutdowns and the lockdowns, uh, there has been there has been a clearing of the air, there's been a clearing of the waterways, um, and you know, people are experiencing the environment such as they have not experienced in a long time, especially in our large cities. And so there's more of a cry uh, now than ever before that we need to find a way um, without without these crazy lockdowns, but to, but to have a way that the earth can rest, that the earth can mm. be refreshed, and that and that we can save the planet. Yeah. You know, because now yeah. it's about it's about the, the planet, and it's interesting that. Um, that Pope Francis, he put out his encyclical in 2015, um, only months out before the Paris Climate um, Summit that was, you know, the biggest of, of all the climate summits. And uh, and it was endorsed by the United Nations back then in 2015, certainly by President Obama. He, he heralded it as a new day, as something the whole world needs to get uh, behind. And it's fascinating to me that the language that Pope Francis uses in that encyclical, Laudato Si, uh, which was his second encyclical back in 2015, which was an encyclical on care for our common home, this earth. That was the subtitle. And, uh, and I just want to read a little from it because this Please. is fascinating because it taps into the Sabbath and worship. Um, in it, the Pope critiques consumerism and irresponsible development, laments environmental degradation and global warming, and calls all people of the world to take swift and unified global action. And you can read about that from Wikipedia. I just pulled that from Wikipedia. But here is this section that speaks of the climate as it relates to Sunday and mm. the day of worship. And this is uh, point number 237, and anyone can go out there and read it. But check this out. He writes in his encyclical, On Sunday, our participation in the Eucharist has special importance. Sunday, like the Jewish Sabbath, is meant to be a day which heals our relationships with God, with ourselves, with others, and with the world. Sunday is the day of the resurrection, the first day of the new creation, whose first fruits are the Lord's um, risen humanity, the pledge of the final transfiguration of all created reality. And he goes on and on and on. And he says um, at the end that we need to rest. We were created to rest. And he's simply saying that, hey, the Sunday is the equivalent to the Jewish Sabbath. But nowhere in the Bible does the seventh-day Sabbath come to us from Judaism, you know, it's not a, it's not a Jewish institution. The Sabbath was given to mankind in the Garden of Eden by mm, God to yeah. Adam and Eve. They weren't Jews; they were the first human beings. That's right. So, so the Sabbath is not the Jewish Sabbath. It was one of two gifts given. That's in exactly the right. That's exactly right. right. So it's really interesting, and I won't take the time to read it because I'm going to hand over to Justin. He wants to share something as well on this. But all the arguments from Scripture. 
that God gives regarding the seventh day Sabbath uh, are given here in this uh, encyclical by Pope Francis. But instead of the seventh day Sabbath, he says we're transferring all those biblical principles to Sunday. Hmm. And so that's exactly Hmm. what we read in Revelation, where the seal of God will be transferred by the church and the world into the mark of the beast and that Sunday um, it'll just take it all on board it's just incredible amazing very open Uh, yeah I think you're totally right I don't think it's going to come in as a religious type of of law the the Sunday law Um, I mean at the end but what gets us there really will be something that will yeah be something all people can rally behind you know the economy tanking um, and the need for help there, the ecology with the um, the issues in the environment. Just a few um, a few article snippets that I found amazing. This is way back in 2009 from The Guardian, an article called Slow Sunday, The Simple Solution to Global Warming. And I'll read you part of it. It says, we cannot wait until governments are enlightened enough to legislate and cap the carbon emissions. Matters are urgent. We have to act now without any delay. One thing we can easily do to achieve this goal, we can declare Sunday to be a fossil fuel free day or a low carbon day or at least an energy saving day. Amazing. They say, hey, let's just call Sunday a fossil fuel free day for the sake of the environment, right? Going on, it says, not long ago, Sunday used to be a day of rest, a day of spiritual renewal, a day for families to come together. But we have changed Sunday from a day of rest to a day of shopping, flying and driving, etc. However, in the context of excessive carbon dioxide emissions in the atmosphere, which are bringing catastrophic upheavals, we can and should restore Sunday to a day for Gaia, a day for the Earth. Mm. This will be good for our personal health as well as for the health of the planet. We will have time for our friends, time to play with our children, and uh, time for the family. So first argument is for the sake of the environment. Second argument, for the sake of family and society. And uh, just fascinating. I mean, is, uh, is it wise, is it a necessity for us to care for our environment? Well, Absolutely. of course, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, God gave Adam and Eve the, the requirement that they, you know, they had to look after the planet. They were to care for the garden and keep it. And that uh, instruction comes down to us. Uh, from God through our first human parents. Um, But concern for the planet can be used as a pretext to bring about things that are not what God would have. And it wasn't just back in 2009 that articles like this uh, came out. In the New Boston Post, April 1 of 2020, it said, at least one change resulting from the quarantine could do wonders to reinvigorate our national sense of family and faith and community. Let's give some serious thought to reinstating at least some of the time-honored Sunday closure laws, sort of a one-day-per-week modified stay-at-home request. (laughs) Just a request, they say, is the suggestion. Well, what for? It goes on. Such actions would rededicate our society to a regular day of rest, family, meals, civic associations, and religious observance. By rededicating each Sunday as a common day of rest, we would say that the life of America is much more than an ever-pausing commerce and ever-grinding bureaucracy. And one might suggest that with today's coronavirus, we are, in a tragic sense, reliving or going back in history. Hmm. I mean, just amazing. (laughs) They're saying, hey... Let's have a day of rest, 
for the family, for the environment, and why not and just even make for it the, Sunday? And even for the economy, what they're saying now is that our economy will do so much better um, if we give people the opportunity to rest because mm. they're, they're going to be more refreshed, they will be getting sick less, yeah, um, and so there will be greater harmony um, in society because there will be stronger families, healthier families, mm. and so the environment's going to rest. We're going to have a greener economy, more sustainable economy, so people will be able to work and, um, mm. you know, and they'll do a whole heap better business-wise eventually if we all get on the same page together. And that yeah. appeals to people of faith and no faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. There's the Green Sabbath project, it's called, that's atheists even pushing for one day of environmental rest a week. And do you guys notice something funny about this? all of the benefits of taking one day off a week? The same benefits that everyone are, are pushing for uh, mm. Sunday through are the ones that God blesses us with on his seventh day Sabbath. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating that I haven't come across too many articles where they're asking for the seventh day Sabbath to be the one that's mandated mm. as the day of rest for the environment or the economy or Wednesday or Monday or, or the Muslims. The Muslims, mm. they, their holy day is Friday. Yeah. Mm. That's when they gather together for worship. But Sunday, it just keeps mm. coming through and... Um, yeah, mm. and it's getting louder. Uh, this is interesting. Just one last one. A Baptist church pastor named Robert Field, he said, God is not pleased with what we have been doing to his day of worship. Therefore, he's shutting it down for a time. And that's talking about the COVID shutdown. And then he says, perhaps with the loss of Sunday in the weeks ahead, we will begin to see its necessity and stop fooling around with the fourth commandment. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. You know, it's true. God doesn't want anybody fooling around with the fourth commandment, right? It's, yes. But that's to keep the seventh day holy mm. as his Sabbath. You sh we've talked about so much today. I guess I'm just processing it, thinking about how our listeners are processing it all. And, mm. you know, I guess, you know, these are amazing things, but these have been happening for a long time. Like, is there anything that we should be thinking about right now? Like, is this unusual activity or is should we just think there's still a lot of time? Like, Well, it seems, and we were just talking and during the breaks, how the, um, these are intensifying. And yeah. Jesus said that uh, the signs of the times would be like labor pains. Mm -hmm. They'd become more frequent and more intense. And uh, that's what we see happening. And I think we just got to go to the doomsday clock. You know, the doomsday <laughs> clock, it's been ticking down since um, about 1991. I don't like communism. looking at that clock. <laughs> no, it's down to 100 seconds to midnight. Wow. 100 seconds wow. to midnight. And, um, yeah, I've got a graph here which you guys can see, but our listeners can't. And you can clearly see yep. the mm. last 30 years it's been just heading in one direction. Yeah. It's been heading south. And so this is all telling us what you said earlier, to look up because mm. our redemption mm. is drawing near. Amen. So if there ever was a time to draw nearer to Jesus, Jesus and have him Lord of our lives it's now Amen. Mm. Amen let's not be like the frog that got cooked in the pot <laughs> because it didn't notice the temperature was rising things are happening Jesus is coming soon yes. well we're going to have a quick break and we're going to be back then with a few remarks after the break uh, but enjoy the piano guys as they play with David Archuleta Angels from the Realms of Glory Story now proclaim us. 
finish. I love that song. Look, we've had just such an amazing time this afternoon. Special thanks to Justin for joining us. Happy and, to be here. Hey, man. And, thanks for having me. Yes, and great to always have you too, Danny and me. I'm just happy to be here. But uh, we've, we were just commenting in the break. We're just seeing an avalanche of evidence that the Bible was spot on, that God's Word can be trusted, and none of this evidence is hidden. It's there. You can Google it yourself and, and check out the things that we've been talking about. Danny, tell us about the free offer. Okay, the book for the hour is The Great Controversy, written more than a century ago. You have to read this if you haven't read it. First person to call in receives the book, The Great Controversy. You need to call 1-800-324-843, 1-800-324-843, or you can text us on 0491 064-669-0491-064-669. And if you don't find this book amazing, I'll give you $100. Whoa. <laughs> that's uh, that's incentive. <laughs> They're all ringing up now. They're all going to ring up. <laughs> all right. Well, you heard that, and that's a wonderful plug for an excellent book. Yes, you want to respond to that. And uh, look, in light of all that we've been talking about, I just want to finish with the words of Jesus in Luke 21, verse 28. He said, Now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. The Lord is coming, so keep that in mind. God bless you, and we look forward to you joining us again this time next week. And keep looking up. <laughs>